welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. On today's podcast, we are joined by Pippa from Pip and Nut. Pip, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about the origins of Pip and Nut. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm the founder of Pip and Nuts. We're an all-natural nut butter brand uh, that I started in my kitchen back in sort of 2015. Um, so I guess for us, or why I started the business was that I a love nut butter obviously and was a consumer of the category but when I was shopping eight nine years ago every single brand on the shelf had palm oil in there and a lot of them were very processed as well and I think for me I was a bit dissatisfied by the fact that the product could be done a lot better um I didn't like the fact that there was sort of ingredients in there that didn't need to be in there yeah I guess I'm a bit of a foodie myself so I felt that the product and nut butter generally had so much potential to kind of bring a bit more excitement to it whether that's new flavors or different nuts and um really just took it from there so yeah literally started it in my kitchen with a blender and um have since grown to lots more stores and retailers up and down the UK absolutely amazing especially when you know a business is started from a kitchen i think that's a very inspiring and interesting story um so you did mention palm oil and in terms of you being someone who really enjoys uh, nut butters how that was one of the things that you realized uh, was the downside of what was on the market at the time so was would you say that that was perhaps the gap that you saw and then now was one of the main problems that you're aiming to tackle within the industry? Um, Yeah, it was definitely a gap that I saw an opportunity to fulfill, to bring a natural brand to the market that was very much still delivering on taste and and product, but uh, in a more kind of simple and honest way. And obviously palm oil is is one of the biggest forms of deforestation. It's actually in like 50% of products in the supermarket have some derivative of palm oil so absolutely kind of very widely used ingredients and it's obviously very commonly used within peanut butter so yeah it was certainly there to kind of initially disrupt the category I guess our purpose is help people love food that loves them and the planet so for us it's about delivering on two things it's about delivering healthier products and palm oil is quite a high in sort of trans fats and and saturated fats that was one thing that I was conscious of. So how could we bring a kind of more natural, healthier product to consumers? And I guess at a more holistic level, like make healthier, better for you products that don't ever make consumers feel like they're sacrificing on taste. And in doing so, I guess, helping people be healthier. We're a predominantly plant-based brand. I think that's a really great thing that we offer as a business. Whilst palm oil is obviously something that we would never use, and it's in on all of our packaging that we, we don't use palm oil I think we see our role as um, being again slightly more holistic and you know food contributes to a third of greenhouse gas emissions globally and obviously that's lots of different things that are contributing to that Um, but fundamentally as a food brand that's sort of emerging and and started from a, a point of wanting to see healthier more natural better for the planet products in the market I think our role is a bit more holistic so we are working on how we can, as a B Corp brand, be better, whether it's reducing our carbon footprint, whether it's increasing the levels of biodiversity in our supply chain, in our on our farms. So I think it, for me, it's, I guess, I like to think that we're trying to be better all round. And obviously not using palm oil is a key part of that as a promise that we commit to our consumers. You said that the brand started in 2015 in your kitchen. 
that was only seven years ago. And considering the brand is so widely recognised and it's in so many supermarkets, do you have a background in this? How did you get the business from where it was in your kitchen to where it is today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, No, my background actually was in... um, well, for starters, I started the business when I was 24. Um, so I had a very short career in theatre and in the creative arts sector. So I was working as a theatre producer just before I quit my job and started Pippa Nut. So I never worked in food and drink. I, I knew very little about business altogether. My dad was a doctor. My mum was a nurse. So it was never really something which was spoken around our dinner tables when I was growing up. So Sometimes I almost surprise myself that I'm here right now because lots of ways it wasn't necessarily in my path. Um, But what I am certainly at uh, is is a foodie, like I mentioned earlier. Like I started cooking at the age of 13 for my family uh, when my mum decided that she had enough cooking for me and my sisters. And so she got us to all cook for the family one day a week. And so I think food has been a big part of like uh, what I'm passionate about generally. But I guess, how did I then sort of leapfrog into actually making the product? So obviously I did start how I knew how, which was I started with a, a blender and some nuts and some ingredients in my kitchen and I developed products um, there and I took them to market stalls in London. And I think for me, that was never, I always wanted to aspirationally have a brand that was national, that had potentially global appeal. I had to start somewhere and that for me felt like a good starting point. And I think it is always a really great way to start when you are a food brand because you can very quickly test out your recipes, get a little bit of a sense on whether or not there's appetite from consumers. Um, and, and it gives you a bit of confidence to start to think, maybe this is something I want to scale up. Um, but then, yeah, I think the scale up piece, when you sort of take a product from your kitchen to um, what could actually be sold in a supermarket is, is is a long road. And it did take me probably about a year and a half from saying doing after doing a few months at market stores to start to actually sell into retail properly with with a product that was sort of made with a you know in a manufacturer with a manufacturer and things like that and I think it is just a bit of a kind of needle in a haystack and I think the first job obviously you have to do is find a good manufacturer who can create the product that you're creating in your kitchen to the same standard in in a factory to, to enable you to have scale as well as also all the food safety stuff so I think that's that's the the big one that you have to find and it took me probably about eight nine months of searching which was a real mixture of like google and asking other contacts in the industry to um going to trade fairs speaking to product developers um asking if a factory said no if they knew anyone like so you kind of go go and 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 try and speak to as many people and and eventually I, I landed on someone that would make it for me and then I think the second stage is really developing the brand. And um, once you've got the product really landed, and, and that obviously was something that I did after I knew that I had a product that I could make at scale. And I think, again, trying to create a brand that is both premium and looks really like a brand that you want to have on your kitchen table, not hidden in the cupboard, but also one that has a huge amount of personality and stand out in, on shelf. I think that those two things, product and brand, are the things that obviously you have to spend the most amount of time thinking about to get right because the retail landscape is is just so challenging. It's so competitive and you need to make sure you get cut through from day one. So, yeah, so once, you know, I got those two things and the final piece was getting funding and I did a small crowd 
crowdfund before I launched the business uh, to raise enough capital that I needed to give us one year's worth of runway and get our products into production. And that's um, what I managed to do in sort of the summer of 2014, raised about £100,000 on Crowdcube and away we went. I had, you know, a small bit, a small production run of about 30,000 units, I believe it was the first production run. And then Selfridges, thankfully, agreed to list it from day one. And that was really the start of it, where the momentum then started. And we we started to sell into more and more retailers after that. Pippa Nutt and also yourself, Pippa, you've been widely recognized in terms of receiving numerous awards. And you did briefly touch on how the manufacturing process was very important for you that, you know, they replicated exactly what you were making in your own kitchen. Would you say that perhaps that was the factor that differentiated Pippa Nut from other nut butter brands? Um, or perhaps what was it that you think got you so um, widely recognized and also so quickly as well? I think we brought something genuinely fresh and new to the category. But I think as a before I go into that, I think one of the, the key things is that the peanut butter and nut butter was massively on trend generally. So I launched the business at, at the perfect time. I think it was still, it was hugely on trend in terms of protein became more widely recognized as being a, a great, a good thing to have in your diet and a healthy thing to have in your diet. More natural brands were becoming more and more re- relevant in retail. Um, so you had like o- the obvious ones of like innocent paving the way for a lot of us independent, more forward thinking brands to come into store. So I think those two things really were helping, you know, and the drive generally for consumers to be healthier. All those three things are really working in our, in our advantage. Um, so the category was growing, which is a great time to launch a food brand when a category is in growth. Um, but obviously then we we entered and, and we helped drive a lot of that. And I think the reason why we were so successful in the early days is that we had a really contemporary brand. Anyone that knows our logo, it's very playful logo. It has a squirrel leaping forwards and obviously it has my name in it as well, which has, a, I think, an extra layer of like personal touch and communication and a sort of independent kind of comms to it. And we looked very different from all the other brands on the shelf, which were very kind of browns and beiges. And we brought a real kind of pop of colour and that was quite distinctive, I think, to the space. And I think second was around kind of the range of products that we had. We were a bit more experimental. We were the first brand to kind of bring different flavors to the market. So we launched things like our coconut almond butter and we had limited editions that we played around with. And we also innovated with different packaging formats, things like our on-the-go squeeze packs, which were little kind of single-serve squeeze packs, like an energy gel version of peanut butter, which um, sadly we don't have in our range anymore. But I think we excited buyers because we had something different to offer and and in doing so also excited the press and the media and so I think it's a I couldn't really necessarily pin it on one thing but I definitely think it's a combination of that the category was very kind of dusty there hadn't been a lot of innovation coming into the space yet it was hugely on trend so it was sort of waiting for a brand like ours to really take it and and transform it and and really shift the perception that peanut butter is something that is really Americanized and processed to actually something that is a really healthy, great thing to have as part of your diet that tastes amazing, that ticks all those boxes that people want uh, when it comes to kind of health and indulgence. Yeah, that completely makes sense. I think when you're able to combine a very good idea, inevitably hard work, but also launch all of that when 
you know, that when you're kind of riding that trend wave, it's just, you know, the, the perfect combination. Something that appears to be very on trend at the moment as well is B Corp certification. And you did mention at the beginning of the podcast that you are um, B Corp certified. Um, it would be very interesting to know what your purpose in completing the certification was and also whether the certification process has helped you become more sustainable in terms of ensuring that you're compliant with the certification standards, transparent, etc. Yeah, B Corp was something that we we certified in 2019. So about uh, four years after we launched the business, we became a B Corp. I think like a lot of in small independent brands, a lot of what you do naturally as part of your business, I think, feeds into the B Corp framework. So, you know, the way you treat your people, the transparency you have across your business and the way you make your products are generally more innovative and, and more sustainably minded just because they've been born in this kind of era where we know that it's no longer good enough to have products that are actively bad for the uh, planet or bad for people's health. So I think that is sort of always been part of our business. But for me, B Corp was a great opportunity to really improve across all the areas that they kind of focus on and and set ourselves a more clear framework to kind of constantly improve and progress. And I think one of the great things about the B Corp impact assessment, which is the assessment that you complete, is that it helps you also define what good and the best looks like across everything so take for example when it comes to the workers section it might have things on your shared parental and maternity and paternity leave and you'll get points depending on what you offer in terms of a policy for your team and you can start to see like okay well the most forward thinking businesses and maybe the most kind of progressive are at this level and you might be at a certain level. And so it, the work's been done by them to almost guide you a little bit as to what genuinely does good look like. And then I think second to that, I think we do use the B Corp assessment to help improve our sustainability. For sure, it's certainly something that that guides us, but and it certainly made it more front and center of our brand in terms of how we make sure we we um, plan and, and strategize as a business. But I'd say that also now it's we do just think we we have our own strategy, and sometimes things that we're working on maybe doesn't actually drive a lot of B Corp points, but it's it's what we think is the right thing to do for our business from a sustainability perspective. So. As an example, we're working on improving the provenance and then also the sustainability of our two key commodities, which are peanuts and almonds, and really focusing on how we could better improve the sustainability of the growing practices of our farmers. Now, that doesn't really give us any more points, if you like, on the B Corp survey, but it's really, really important as part of our long-term commitment to being better um, and and more regenerative, I guess, as a total business. So I guess your my my answer is that yes, it definitely does help push you and challenge you as to whether or not you're you're doing enough. But it shouldn't be the only thing that drives you because otherwise you could be doing lots and lots of different things as opposed to going much deeper on on certain areas where you know you have a big impact from a planet perspective or a social perspective. On the topic of things that you're doing currently and sort of in the future, can you talk us through your new mission, New Butter Done Better? 
So it's um, not better done better. Yeah, I guess that sort of captures a little bit in a very sort of tight way how we approach our business. So not better done better is thinking about how we um, deliver better taste, uh, better nuts and better business generally. Um, so those are the kind of three areas that we think through. And when it comes to taste, like fundamentally, if you don't have a great quality product that is delicious, uh, that makes people want to come back and buy it again, like you're going to fall down. So we're always thinking about how can we improve and and really deliver on that kind of for our consumers. So that really is like the number one is making sure we do deliver a really great product because you need those people to come back and they won't care if it's sustainable, if it tastes rubbish. So that that is a big focus. So again, that comes down to going deeper on our ingredient sourcing to refining our process or improving some of the other ingredients that outside of things like our nuts um, to really think about how we can deliver the best quality product and also probably just overall um, ensure that we are serving our customers well in terms of every day delivering, you know, really great product through our different factories. And then when it comes to, I guess, better nuts, that's, I guess, a bit about what I touched on earlier, but we are working on we're kind of lucky in some sense because we we mainly use almonds and peanuts. So it does give us a real focus as to where we need to make sure that we're being as sustainable as possible when it comes to those two ingredients. And interestingly, when we did our carbon footprinting, our agriculture part of our footprint uh, made up about 70% of our total carbon emissions. So really focusing on our nuts was actually a way of both reducing our carbon impact, but also ensuring that um, other things like biodiversity are improved within our nuts. Better nuts is about thinking, you know, we're using the best quality ingredients, but also how do we make sure we're being better when it comes to sustainability? Um, and there's lots of um, great certifications. We work with the Sustainable Agriculture Initiative um, and a lot of their set, uh, sort of assessments to kind of verify and kind of filter the different suppliers that we work with. And then when it comes to better business, I guess that captures quite a lot of the rest of what we do. So whether that's making sure that from a people perspective, we are fairly remunerating our team, that we have the right kind of perks and policies, whether that's volunteering days are used by our team members or you know wellness initiatives to help support or you know mental health initiatives as well so that kind of cross cuts quite a lot but then also captures things like um we work with Hackney Food Bank and we donate quite a lot of stock to Hackney Food Bank our target over the next three years is to deliver 200,000 jars to Hackney Food Bank um or equivalent in funds to help in our local area help and support people that are the most vulnerable in our community and really help in in fighting food poverty which is um, an ever-increasing problem at the moment yeah it's it's hard I think when it comes to consume to communicate everything that you're doing across your business and I guess that's why Nut Butter Done Better is there to try and catch the sentiment and and efforts that we're that we have as a business and what we do so that's that was our kind of outward facing kind of way of being able to emphasize the fact that we will always as a business be striving to be better and your job is never done you will you can always improve and you can always reduce the impact that you're making yeah that's so fantastic and I think what you've just highlighted there is such an important part of a sustainable business model and it is about you know community and ensuring that you're giving back and that you're supporting as well because I feel like so much of sustainability perhaps is focused on you know the climate and the and the environment which of course it has to be as well but the community and also people 
that's such an important aspect of it yeah. so and um it sounds absolutely amazing what what you're doing in terms of you know supporting um your employees and also um as you said the food bank in hackney as well so um that's very very great so throughout this podcast we've touched upon all the different sort of work you've been doing in terms of the environment and socially and um, for example the b corp but how much of this do you think that your consumers care about do you think that the taste of the butter is what draws them in or do you think it's the brand as a whole the number one thing that people care about I think is whether the product does deliver on what you say it's going to do and and within our category it has to taste incredible people expect that of a nut butter however I think things like sustainability it's been we we do various different bits of tracking across our brand to understand what are the most important things to our consumers in terms of you know is it is it about price is it about innovation um is it about taste what is the number one thing and sustainability is one of them and it's been interesting seeing how the shift of sustainability has become over the last sort of 3 years more important to consumers it's still not the number one and it's still we we track 16 drivers and I think back in sort of three years ago sustainability was sort of 11 or 12 on the list whereas now it's like up at you know the sixth or seventh most important thing for our consumers within our category so it is definitely becoming more and more relevant and I think it's only going to accelerate as things like climate change starts to become something that impacts people more and therefore they'll expect more. And I think the other interesting thing I think about sustainability is that I do think consumers expect brands and government. It's an expectation that you've got to do it. So it's less of like, oh, a nice to have these days. It's like a fundamental push, I think, that consumers expect it. So arguably, it's not really like a selling point anymore. It's just a kind of fundamental requirement of being a business today. But interesting, also, when it comes to B Corp, I think the awareness of B Corp is still relatively low, but with consumers that is. But actually B Corp has been a really powerful thing from a kind of team perspective and also for recruitment. And I'd say that when I ask people in an interview, you know, why are you applying to Pip and Nut? What's interesting about the brand? Like nearly all of them will say, oh, because you're a B Corp, it's something that aligns with my values and I want to work for a business that I care about. And I think that's really, really, really important to millennials and particularly Gen Zs, I think, around who they want to work for. So it has certainly been quite a powerful thing, I think, that we've been able to recruit and kind of retain our really talented team as a result of actually being a business that does go above and beyond um, what most businesses do across, you know, social and environmental goals. I, I personally hope that it will become a bigger um, and more important thing on the agenda for consumers. But I think you can't avoid the fact that right now there are lots of other things that are on their minds, particularly things like the cost of living crisis that is going to really, really start to hit consumers in October. So I think we'll start to see things like health and sustainability. And I think we already have start to be deprioritized and people are really just about thinking, how do I make sure I can feed my family on the budget that I have? So I guess it's the brand's job to kind of keep the work going. Um, and not deprioritize it because climate change is upon us. We've got to make sure we do better. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the cost of living crisis. It'll definitely be interesting to see how sustainability combines with that in the future. Hopefully it's still play on people's minds, even if they necessarily can't afford to be making large sustainable switches. Yeah, and I think I think we'll have to try and 
ultimately um sustainability it does often cost you money to to do things so you know for instance if you're changing all your packaging to a more uh, recyclable piece of packaging often those materials are more expensive um so it might have an impact on how expensive your product is to consumers and i think consumers believe that if something is more sustainable it's probably more expensive so right now that's even more kind of concerning if something is more expensive and therefore they're probably less likely to choose something sustainable but I guess it's our job as a brand to make sure we absorb as much of that cost and take it on because should consumers really be paying the price for the fact that brands are just doing what they should be doing if that makes sense and also in turn hopefully a lot of being sustainable is actually just being more efficient so whether that's reducing the amount of mileage of how many miles your product takes from getting to your factory to the shelves and being more efficient and using renewable energy and electric vehicles eventually these technologies will hopefully mean that it actually is more efficient or cheaper in the long run so I guess it's sometimes just the upfront upfront investment that often is what's quite difficult for brands to kind of invest and, and spend money but hopefully in time something that's sustainable doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's more expensive and hopefully that also means more people can start to consume things that are more sustainable generally. Yeah absolutely I think that in terms of cost and sustainability that is one of the main barriers at the moment but as you said hopefully that will change. Well Pip thank you so much for such an interesting discussion it was a pleasure and to all of our listeners we will include links to Pip and Nut in the description of this podcast and make sure to follow Sustainability Speaks on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook for future updates. So thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.